Amen. Well, this morning, I'm excited. We're about to jump into the Word of the Lord. I want to just share with you briefly, how many thankful that God speaks? Anybody believe God speaks today? Amen. That God speaks by the Holy Spirit. Nathan just shared a word with me a moment ago. He said, as we were worshiping, he saw in the Spirit that roadblocks were being broken and literally moved out of the way. And he really felt like the Holy Spirit just quickened this simple word I want to share with you. He said, if we'll just speak the Word, if we'll just speak the Word, breakthrough will come. If we'll just speak the word over our lives, those roadblocks will be removed. And I want to encourage you, uh, we're going to be talking today about prayer. And part of the power of prayer is utilizing God's word. As we begin to pray the word of God and we begin to declare the word of God over our lives, amazing things do happen. And literally roadblocks are moved out of our way when we begin to decree and just speak God's word over our lives. So let me encourage you, if if you're not practicing on a regular basis, declaring and speaking the word of the Lord over your life, you need to embrace that today. I want to just tell you, you need to embrace that and begin to grab hold of what God wants to do because some amazing things really do happen when you begin to speak the word of God. Amen. Can I get an amen from somebody today? All right. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series entitled Choose Life. And we began three weeks ago kind of laying a foundational truth. We said uh, that basically we needed to understand something. One of the basic foundations truths uh, that we need to understand about God and about ourselves and God's will for our life is that number one life we said is the will of God and death is the enemy of God and until you settle that in your heart we said there's going to be a constant battle and temptation uh, for you to blame God for things that God really didn't have anything to do with but once you settle in your heart that life is the will of God and that death according to scripture is the enemy of God that one day he will finally destroy then you can begin to understand as you filter through that process of life comes from God death comes from sin and from the enemy and that in Christ we have life again can I get an amen this morning. Amen. So we talked about that on the first week. Last week we talked about one of the practical ways that we choose life on a daily basis is we have to choose faith over fear. We have to choose to respond by faith instead of responding by fear. And we talked about what that really does look like in our day-to-day daily lives. And today we're just going to kind of push a little deeper into that and talk about what does it really mean to choose life. So let's look at Deuteronomy 30. This is our foundational scripture. God is speaking to the children of Israel. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life. How many know he is our life today? Amen. Our life is in Christ. So let's talk about another way that we can choose life. So look at that first point on your outline for all you note takers today. We choose life when we choose prayer over panic. We choose life when we choose prayer over panic. And I want you to look with me in Philippians chapter 4 and listen to what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said. He said, don't be anxious or worried about anything. Don't be anxious or worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about the good things and the bad things. Pray about the happy things and the sad things. Pray about the things that bring you great joy and the things that bring you great sorrow. Don't be anxious or worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace 
which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then the God of peace. Y'all say that with me. The God of what? Amen. He's the God of peace. The God of peace will be with you. So let's talk today about how that when we choose prayer over panic, how that we can choose life over death. Look at that first point or that next point on your outline. So prayer is the release valve for the pressures of life. Prayer is the release valve for the pressures of life. Panic, when we allow anxiety and worry to build in our life, panic bottles up the pressures and internalizes the stresses of life until you explode. How many of you know that every time you're confronted with things in life, the pressures of life, you have an opportunity to choose panic or to choose prayer? And, and I don't know how many of you guys remember. How many of y'all remember the old school pressure cookers that used to sit on the stoves, right? Y'all remember those old school pressure cookers? I think they've been replaced now by, what's that new thing we got now? Instapot. I got one at my house. Somebody needs to some cook something for me. Anyway, so... <laughs> I remember that old school pressure cooker. I don't know that I've ever personally used one. I remember my grandma canning stuff and using that pressure cooker and had that little, that little thing on top. And you could hear that thing throughout the whole house, that little release valve. And I remember when I was a kid, my grandma being in there pressure cooking and that little thing. And I remember them telling horror stories about sometimes that little valve would stop up and it stopped releasing the pressure and that, that pressure cooker would explode. And I remember thinking, man, that would be a chaotic. I mean, that would be almost like a bomb blowing up in your kitchen because all of a sudden we recognize something from that little simple example. We recognize that if you don't have a place for the pressure to be released, then guess what's going to happen to your life? You're going to explode. See, when you live out of a panic mode mentality, you become a reactor. You react to life. You react to the pressures and the stresses and the challenges and the difficulties that come into our life. And if you don't have a release valve, if you don't have a place to release that pressure of life, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself exploding. How many of you understand what's sad about the explosions of life when we become panic-driven instead of prayer-driven is that we typically explode on the wrong people. You get stressed out at work and you come home and explode on your family. Right? You get stressed out by things that are happening in the economy and you end up exploding on the people that you care about and you love. And all of a sudden we recognize something. We need a release valve. We need a place in which we can release the pressures of life so that we can experience what we're going to talk about in just a minute, the peace of God. And here, here's what I want you to understand this morning. I want you to recognize that God has given us a release valve. It's called prayer. Prayer is our opportunity to release the pressures of life. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter says this. He says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. How many know that when you pray, prayer is an act of humility? Prayer acknowledges God. It acknowledges, number one, that he is God. It acknowledges that he, is, that he is bigger and greater and grander than anything that we have. And the fact that I'm acknowledging him through prayer, I'm humbling myself before his presence. But then he goes on that next verse. Look what he says. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And then he says in verse 7, casting all your care upon him. 
for he cares for you. Casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. When we choose prayer over panic, we're casting our cares on the Lord. We're taking the anxiety, the stress, and the pressures of life, and we're releasing them to a God who cares. See, when you really believe God cares, things change. Amen? God cares. Cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Now, let me just be honest with you. I am not the greatest counselor because I, I like fixing things. Any guys in the house like to fix stuff? Come on, somebody. We, we've got an amazing counseling ministry. And this is what I found out through the times in 30 years I've done a whole lot of counseling. This is what I found out through counseling. I can sit there for 45 minutes and say nothing. And they'll just talk and they'll just talk and they'll just talk. And when we get done, 45 minutes of counseling, they get up, they hug my neck, they say, Pastor Keith, thank you so much. You helped me so much. And I didn't say anything or do anything. Because this is what I realized. Most people just need somebody to listen. Most people, a lot of counseling is creating an outlet for the stresses and the pressures and the anxieties of life. And I'm so thankful we have an amazing counseling ministry. And if you've not tapped into our Liberty Counseling, it is a free ministry that we serve to our, not just our church, but our community. And you can call the church office and make an appointment. And we'd love to help you and create a place for you to move forward. And our counselors are going to do more than just listen. They're going to minister. But what I found out that part of the power of counseling is that it creates a place for people to relieve and release the stresses and pressures of life. And all the things that have been boiling and all the things that have been bothering and all the things that have been growing and building on the inside, now there's a place to let those things go, to release that pressure of life. And you know what? That's an awesome thing. But let me give you some good news. we got 24-7, 365 days a year opportunity through prayer to cast our cares on God. And, and this is what I know about the pressure of life. The pressure of life is not just negative things. The pressure of life is positive things. It's good things. How many of you, know, uh, how many of you have actually gotten married? Anybody got married in here? Any married folks in the house? Come on, somebody. You need to sign up for a marriage life uh, dinner and dance tonight coming on. Huh? Married folks in the house. How, how many of you know that when you get engaged and then you start planning a wedding? How many know a wedding's a good thing? But there's pressure. Can I get an amen from all the women? Amen. That sounded like James. Because the men feel the pressure because the wives are stressed out. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I appreciate that, James. You're helping me this morning. So there's pressure just through a good thing called a wedding. We're getting married. That's a good thing. And all of a sudden, there's pressure. How many know that when you start a new job, that's a good thing, but there's pressure? How many, for all my students, how many know when you go from junior high to high school, that's a good thing, but there's some pressure? Right? When you go from high school to college, that's a good thing, but there's some pressure. Right? When that entrepreneurial spirit on the inside finally builds up and you step out to launch that new business, that's a good thing. That's a great thing, but there's pressure. When you finally decide you're no longer just going to sit in a chair on Sunday morning, you're actually going to get involved and begin to serve and begin to minister, and you're going to start stepping out in faith and letting God use you and speak through you and minister through you. It's a good thing, but there's pressure. And here's what I know about the pressure of life. If you don't have a release valve, even the good pressure will blow you up. 
Even the good pressure will blow you up. God's growing your business, there's pressure. God's growing your family. How many know when, when a couple gets married, that's awesome, and then they have a baby, that's exciting, and then the baby comes, and now there's some pressure. <laughs> it's called no sleep. I mean, it's amazing. There's pressure. All of a sudden, so many good things in life are filled with pressure. And if you don't have a release valve, you will explode. And you can panic, which unfortunately we do many times. And we even apologize to people. We'll say stuff like this. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I responded that way. I'm just under a lot of pressure at work. I'm just under a lot of financial pressure right now. Our business is not going like it needs to. And we actually apologize because we recognize that there is pressure and pressure and pressure and pressure is building. Good pressure, negative pressure. But here's the realization. You have a release valve. It's called prayer. You can cast your cares. You can give your pressure to God. And all you got to do is talk to Him. It's amazing when you start talking to God about what's going on in your life. And what I love about prayer, the Bible says we should pray continually. Why? Because prayer is not religious ritual. Prayer is an a intimate communication and conversation that we have with God. And if you're not talking to God regularly, I'm not talking about you got to bow your head and do your hands like this and get on your knees. You need to do those things. Those are awesome things. But I'm just talking about regular, verbal, consistent communion with the Father. That when the pressure starts to build, how many know if you catch the pressure early on, it doesn't get as big? <laughs> and we have this amazing gift from God. We choose life when we choose prayer over panic. When we choose to cast our cares on the Lord and just begin to verbalize. And I love, let me say this, I love, I love the fact that we can have an internal dialogue with the Lord and God hears us. But there's something powerful about opening your mouth. And just talking to God about what's going on. And just verbalizing what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. And the pressure and the anxiety or the worry that might try to be coming against you. You can just release that to the Lord through the power of prayer. Now look at that next point. Because that next point really takes us into part of the fruit of that. What happens when we begin to cast our cares on the Lord? Well, prayer fills us with peace. There's a peace that comes from God. Can I get an amen from somebody today? There's a peace that comes from God. All of a sudden, when we begin to pray, we begin to cast our cares on the Lord. All of a sudden, prayer fills us with the peace of God because it does a couple things. Number one, it sets our minds on the Lord, and it reminds us of what He has done. Panic robs us of peace because it causes our minds to race in a million different directions. Think about this. Anxiety spins our minds in such a degree that we are literally thinking about everything, but we can't focus on anything. You ever woke up in the middle of the night or early in the morning with something on your mind that you're kind of thinking about, and now there's a little pressure, maybe a little anxiety, and you're figuring out, and, and you can't even go back to sleep because these things are running over in your mind. And you get all these anxious thoughts that just begin to run over in your mind and over, and you're thinking about everything, but you can't really focus on anything. And panic robs us. When I shift into that panic mode, when I allow anxiety and worry to cause me to panic, all of a sudden I, it, it disconnects me from what God has for me. And it puts me into this place where there is no peace in my heart or in my mind. But prayer, prayer fills me and you with the peace of God. Why? Because number one, it sets our minds on Him. Look at Isaiah 26 verse 3. It says, speaking of God, God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
God, you'll keep us in perfect peace. There's something powerful about just setting your mind on the Lord. And that's what prayer does. One of the powerful things about prayer is prayer just acknowledges God. God, I believe that you're there. I believe that you care. I believe that you're able to do whatever needs to be done in my life. And I just want to acknowledge you. And all of a sudden, I begin to set my mind on the Lord. And perfect peace comes to those whose minds are stayed on Him. Satan uses anxiety and worry to put us into a panic mode mentality where we have a racing mind instead of a peace-filled mind. So prayer focuses us on the Lord. Prayer also gives us an opportunity to begin to give thanks. It reminds us of what God has done. Look at Philippians 4 again. It says, don't be anxious or worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. See, it's what I've learned in my life about prayer. When I really begin to set my mind, when I cast my cares on the Lord, and I begin to acknowledge God and set my mind on Him, it doesn't take very long in that posture for the Holy Spirit to begin to remind me of what God has already done in my life. I start casting my cares on the Lord. I start releasing that pressure to God and I start just acknowledging Him that He is my source and He is my strength and He is my grace and He is my peace. It doesn't take very long before the Holy Spirit starts reminding me of all the things that God has done in my life. And the truth is God has showed up and showed out in your life more times than you can count. As I was praying this morning, the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Keith, do you realize that the testimony of what I've already done should be enough to encourage you in everything I'm going to do. Because I've already showed up and showed out in so many ways. When you thought there was no way, God made a way. When you thought it was over, it wasn't over. When you thought you were going to crash and burn, you ended up rising from the ashes. What you thought was going to be your death and your demise became a new opportunity for a future and a hope because God has moved on your behalf. And the truth is, every one of us in this room, if we would just take the time to recount those blessings, we could remember over and over and over again when we thought there was no hope and no way and nothing could ever good come out of this, where God turned it around. And what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. See, part of prayer is just beginning to thank the Lord. Paul said there to the Philippians, he said, begin to thank Him for all He has done. Why? Because thanksgiving releases the peace of God in our hearts so that we can experience His amazing grace. Amen? Look at that next thought. Prayer not only releases and fills us with His peace, but prayer fixes our thoughts on the solution. Panic distorts our thoughts and magnifies the problem. Panic distorts our thoughts and magnifies the problem. We've all seen the movies where people are in this panic mode, right? They're in this panic mode and somebody slaps them. (laughs) Because, boy, when you're in panic mode, your mind is so distorted, your thoughts are so distorted, your problem is so big, there's no way you can even see a solution. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, don't make me slap you. Hey, we need to pray. Come on, guys. We got this thing called prayer. Prayer is a powerful weapon. 
Prayer is a powerful weapon. It pulls us out of that panic mode, distorted thought, magnifying the problem reality. And it brings us into a place where prayer automatically begins to focus our thoughts on the solution. I love what Paul said again. Look at Philippians 4 verse 6. We're going to read this verse many times today. He says, don't be anxious or worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Then look what he says. And tell God what you need. See, one of, the, one of the powerful things about prayer is that prayer is really solution-driven, not problem-driven. Let me say it again. Prayer is solution-driven, not problem-driven. The purpose of prayer is not just to rehearse your problems. The purpose of prayer is to bring a resolution and a solution so that your will can line up with God's will, which is good and perfect and pleasing, and He has good things in store for you. And so all of a sudden we begin to recognize, what does prayer do? Prayer brings us to a place where God says, cast all your cares on me. Now God says, now tell me what you need. Tell me what you need. That little phrase, tell me what you need, automatically challenges my thoughts to shift from the problem to what is the solution. What do I really need? And let me just be honest with you guys. I'm just going to share my heart. What, what I typically think I need is usually not what I need. Because my first thought is I typically think I need something temporal done, and usually I need something spiritual done. <laughs> usually the problem is not changing something out here. Usually the problem is allowing God to change something in here. And all of a sudden I begin to come to God with this prayer mentality that says, God, I want to tell you what I need. Well, what I really need, God, is I need peace. I need wisdom. I need discernment. I need direction. I need insight. I need understanding. I need compassion. I need, I need love, God. I, I, need, I need your grace. I need eyes that can see and ears that can hear and hands that can serve. God, I need you to do what only you can do in my life. And all of a sudden you recognize that prayer focuses our thoughts. On solution, because remember, prayer is solution-driven, not problem-driven. Because God wants to bring us to a resolution where He can bring answers into our lives. The Apostle Paul goes on there in Philippians 4, verse 8. Look what he says. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, this is what I've recognized. I've recognized that prayer begins to fix my thoughts on the right thing. Panic focuses my attention on the problem. Prayer focuses my attention on the solution and the solution solver. How many know God's a solution solver? And all of a sudden, I begin to fix my thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is just and what is praiseworthy. And all of a sudden, I begin to see there is a peace that comes from God because I'm focusing on Him and then I'm looking to Him to bring a solution to what's going on in my life. I'm no longer problem driven. I'm now solution driven because I'm acknowledging the one that desires to work on our behalf. Amen? Look at that next point. Prayer not only fixes our thoughts, but prayer connects us to God. Prayer connects us to God and makes us participators in our own prayers. 
Panic separates us from God and makes us victims of our circumstances. The devil wants to tell you there's nothing you can do. This is out of your control. You are powerless in this circumstance, in this situation, and you are just a victim of your circumstance. But the devil's a liar. Because let me tell you something. There's always something you can do. You know what you can always do? You can always pray. And prayer is not our last resort. Prayer should be our first choice. Because prayer changes things. You are not powerless and you are not a victim to your circumstances. You are powerful and you are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds because you have the power to pray. You can pray. And your prayers can change the outcome and situations of life. And your prayer can turn the darkest night into the brightest day because that's the power of prayer. I love what James says in James chapter 5. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then look what he says, the earnest prayer. That word earnest is heartfelt, it's passionate. Again, prayer is not a religious ritual. Prayer is a heart-to-heart communion with God. It is intimacy. It is communion and communication. It is me pouring my heart out to the Father. The earnest, passionate, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person. Let me, let me qualify you. Let me help you out for just a minute. How many born-again people in the house today? Amen. Come on. You born again? If you're born again, let me give you some good news. You are the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for for you so that you could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a righteous person. You have right standing with God because of what Jesus has done. And now God simply says this, the earnest, heartfelt, passionate prayer of a righteous, born-again person, listen to this, has great what? Has great power and produces what? Wonderful The earnest prayer of a born-again righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You are not a victim of your circumstances. You are not powerless. You are powerful because you can pray. You can pray. You can pray. I was, I, was, I was thinking about this this morning. Actually, during the last service, the Lord just kind of gave me this illustration in my mind. How many of you guys remember uh, the old uh, little racetracks? You know, you had the little racetrack, little handle. You squeeze it, and the cars went around the track. Anybody remember those little racetracks? I think they still make them. Well, the Lord just kind of reminded me of this. He said, Keith, he said, do you remember that when the car got off the track, it stopped? <laughs> he said, your prayers lay the track for my power to work on your behalf. As powerful as God is, God can't answer the prayers you don't pray. John Wesley, the founder of the United Methodist Church, made this statement. He said, God does nothing on earth except in answer to prayer. Prayer is the catalyst through which God moves. Prayer is the catalyst through which God works. Prayer is the catalyst through which God intervenes in the hearts and lives of people. Prayer is the track that you lay to allow God to move in the circumstances and situations in your life and in our world. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, I have planted an Apollos water, but God gave the increase. For we are laborers together with God. 
We are laborers together with God. Paul is not specifically talking about prayer, but I think the principle applies to our prayer. If we pray, guess what we're doing when we're praying? We're planting and we're watering. Guess what God does? He gives the increase. I can always pray. I can plant. I can water. I can cultivate the soil. I can pave the way. I can lay the track so that God can move and work in my life. I can't do God's part, but God won't do our part. We are laborers together with God through prayer. Through prayer, we labor in the Spirit. Through prayer, we establish in the Spirit what God desires to do in our lives. Again, prayer is not about getting God to do our will. Prayer is aligning ourselves with His will because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're not powerless, you're powerful. You're not a victim of your circumstances. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. And you have been called to be a participator in what God is doing. He has invited us in to be laborers together with Him. You are mighty in God. Amen? Look at that last point. Prayer opens the door for the supernatural to be manifested in our lives. Panic shuts the door through anxiety and worry, which manifests itself as fear and unbelief. Faith, prayer opens the door for the supernatural to be manifested into our lives. In Mark 11, Jesus said, have faith in God. For surely I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Through prayer, we open the door to the supernatural. Through prayer, we speak to the mountain, and we command the mountains to be gone. Prayer opens the door for the supernatural power of God to be manifested. He's a God that heals. He's a God that saves. He's a God that redeems. He's a God that restores. And when you read the Bible and you read of the supernatural acts of God, the Bible says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Guess what? He hadn't changed, guys. And it's the power of prayer that opens that door for the supernatural, for God to work and for God to move. I want to ask you a question today. Are your prayers as big as your God? Are your prayers as big as your God? Have you minimized your prayers based on your ability? Or are you maximizing your prayers based on God's ability? I minimize my prayers when I'm praying on my ability. But I maximize my prayers when I begin to pray on God's ability. He says, ask of me. And I will give you the nations, he said, as your inheritance. Ask of me. And I will open the heavens and pour out on you a blessing so great that you cannot contain. Ask of me. And I will do what the world says can't be done. So I want to just encourage you in this today. Don't panic. Pray. Don't panic, pray. Don't allow anxiety and worry to turn your life into a pressure cooker where you're about to explode. Pray. And let me inter- encourage you in this. I believe, I believe we need every form and every fashion of prayer. Let me, let me give you a couple. I, I believe we need to pray long prayers. 
But what, what do I mean by that? I think we need to linger in prayer. I think there's power as we linger in prayer and in the presence of God. And what I love about our first Saturday corporate prayer is that we gather together on the first Saturday of the month. We did it yesterday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock. And we gather together for one hour of prayer. And if you've never prayed for an hour, it's a great model and an example of how you can gather in the presence of God and linger in prayer for an hour. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And you remember he went off in his deepest, darkest hour to pray, and he came back and he found the disciples and they were asleep, and he asked them this question, could you not tarry one hour? Could you not tarry one hour? I remember reading that years ago, and I said, Lord, I want to learn how to linger in prayer. And for me, the best way I've learned how to linger in prayer is I like to use patterns of prayer. I like to use the Lord's Prayer. I like to use the prayer of Jabez. I like to use the tabernacle. There, I like to just pray through scriptures. There's a lot of ways that you can linger in prayer. And I think we need to have long prayers. But I also think we need short prayers. I'm so thankful for those, for those short prayers, those little breath prayers. Help me, Jesus. I mean, help me, Jesus does a lot. I'm just telling you. Help me, Jesus does a lot. Speak truth to me, Holy Spirit, does a lot. I mean, just those little short breath prayers. We need to pray long prayers. We need to pray short prayers. You need to have a prayer on your breath, I think, all the time. And I think not only do we need long prayers and short prayers, I think we need strategic prayers. And what I mean by that is simply this. If you have a specific problem, then you need a strategic prayer. If you have a specific problem, you need a strategic prayer. Why? Because there is a promise for every problem in this book. For every problem you got, there's a promise. For every need, there is a seed from the Word of God. And you need, if you have a specific problem and you recognize, man, here's an area I keep struggling in, I keep struggling in, I keep struggling in. What does God say about your problem? What does God say about your need? What does God's Word say about your struggle? And then begin to pray specific, specific prayers for specific problems. I think we need to be strategic in our prayers. But I also think we need to flip the coin and be spontaneous in our prayers. I love those Holy Ghost spark prayers. I mean, we're just, bam, the Spirit hits you, and all of a sudden you're praying, and you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I think we need strategic prayers. We need spontaneous prayers. I think we need to pray in the Spirit. We don't talk about this a lot on Sunday morning, but if you've got a prayer language, I think we need to pray in the Spirit. The Bible says, he who prays in the Spirit prays mysteries and prays the will of God. And you need to pray in the Spirit. If you've got that gift to pray in tongues, you need to pray in the Spirit and take advantage of the gift that God has released in your life. But then you flip the coin. We need to pray in our understanding. We need to pray according to the understanding that God has given us because God says, I want you to tell me what you need. At the end of the day, we need to pray. <laughs> Don't panic. Pray. Don't panic, pray. Just pray and pray and pray. And recognize you're not powerless. You are powerful when you pray. And you're never wasting your time in prayer. See, I like to do stuff. And sometimes I, I get distracted by thinking that the time I'm spending in prayer, I could be out here doing something. <laughs> but what I've learned and what I'm learning, let me say it like this. What I'm learning is that my time in prayer multiplies the efforts of my flesh. That when I spend time in prayer paving the way for God to work, 
then when I step out in faith to do the thing God's called me to do, there's an anointing, there's an unction, and there's a grace that goes further than anything that I could have done if I had not first prayed. Don't be anxious or worried about anything, but pray about everything. Let's just bow our heads today. And I want to just do this today. I want to just open the altar up right now. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, boy, I've, 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 I've kind of got into panic mode. We've all been there, done that, and guilty of it. But today I want to make the shift. I want to shift back to a place of prayer. I want to shift back to a place of communion. I, I need the peace of God today. I need to set my mind on Him. I just, I just need to reconnect with the Lord. Maybe you've got some cares. The pressures of life have been building and been building and and you recognize, well, you're, you're not in a good place mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But today, the altar's open. And there's no place better to alter your life than in the altar. And there's no place better to pray than before the Lord. So right now, if you need to pray, you come. If you want to cast some cares on the Lord, right now you come. People are starting to move. You just come. You can just cast your cares on the Lord. You can just kneel before Him this morning and say, God, I'm going to give you this. I'm just going to give you some good news today. You don't have to carry it on your own. God's, God's released, God's created a place where you can be released from the pressures of life. You can find peace today. You can give some things to God. Some of you have been carrying some stuff you were never intended to carry. It's been weighing on you. It's impacted your life. You've become a reactor instead of a responder. Maybe you've realized you've become problem-focused. And today you want to be solution-focused. You can come to God this morning. You can come to God this morning. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you're, you're seated in this sanctuary, you're watching online, and maybe you realize this morning, maybe you realize you don't even know God. Maybe you don't know Him. You've never been saved. The Bible calls it being born again. And you've never been saved. You've never been born again. And you realize today that if you were to die right now, you would spend eternity separated from God. Not because God doesn't love you, but because you've never accepted and experienced that love. And today you're here and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to be saved. I want to know that, number one, heaven is my home. But more importantly, that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. If that's you right now, I just want you to slip your hand all over this building. I want to be born again today, Pastor Keith. I want to be saved. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, you've never done that today, you want to raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you right now. If you're watching online, just hit that hand emoji. Type in that chat box, I'm raising my hand. And as hands are going up, our ushers are going to come. They're going to just give you a little packet they're going to put in your hand. We want to just help you continue to take those next steps this morning. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for the grace of God and the, the, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And so right now, I just want to pray with those that have raised their hands. And I'm just going to ask everybody in the sanctuary, if you're still seated, let's just pray this prayer together. Let's say it now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I've sinned, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins.
Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. And I receive it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With every head bowed, I just want to do a closing prayer right now over all these that have come. Father, we thank you today for the power of prayer. We thank you today, God, that prayer changes things. That we are not powerless. We are powerful. And I thank you for the power of God that's being released right now. I thank you for open doors for the supernatural. I thank you for solutions and resolutions. I thank you for peace that passes understanding. Father, I thank you for great grace and great mercy over your people this morning. And Father, I thank you today, Lord, that you go before us. And that you make a way where there seems to be no way. Because you are the way maker. So Lord, we honor you this morning. And we declare life and peace and grace over all of your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys and we love all of you this morning. So thankful for a house of prayer. Amen. And uh, we just love you guys. I want to remind you, stop by the Information Center to adopt a coat or sponsor a hoodie. Stop by the Band of Brothers area over here to my left. If you're a lady interested in our Elevate class, we love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. He gonna stand by what he claimed. Lived enough life to save.